stand. And of course, we have services Sunday morning, Sunday night, regular schedule of uh, services this weekend. And I uh, listened, uh, sort of watched, but more so definitely listened to the, uh, the messages from Sunday. Uh, both messages were uh, timely words from God and um, realize I have a little extra connection to the two guys that preached on Sunday. But once again, I am very excited about the, the, the next generation is in good hands at Antioch Central. And, um, and uh, I... I Tonight might actually maybe be a little bit of a add-on to Sunday night in some ways. I, but uh, while I was in Florida, I felt uh, felt like the Lord impressed a verse on me, and uh, so uh, that's what I want to want to share here with you this evening. So Micah chapter six. Want to start with verse number six for some context here, but verse eight is really what I, I want to get to. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Asking all of these, these, these big things, these big sacrifices. And, and the response is, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? Here it is but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Here here is what the Lord requires of you. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with thy God. Father, thank you once again for the opportunity to gather together in your presence with believers of like precious faith. Thank you for your presence that has responded to our worship this evening, your spirit ministering in this place. We honor you, Lord. You're so good. You've been so good to us, and we thank you. I pray now, God, that you would speak to our hearts, our spirits tonight, that our hearts would be good ground for the seed of your word. Let us hear what you would have to say. Let there be a work of your spirit in our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to read a couple of other translations to you. The Amplified says it this way With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He has showed you, O man, what is good, 
And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love kindness and mercy, and to humble yourself and walk humbly with your God? By the way, one more reminder, don't forget Saturday is our Move the Mission Day, and volleyball, basketball, food, fellowship. So even if you're not playing one of the sports, come on out for some some good fellowship and good food. Amen. Today's English version says it this way. What shall I bring to the Lord, the God of heaven, when I come to worship Him? Shall I bring the best calves to burn as offerings to Him? Will the Lord be pleased if I bring Him thousands of sheep or endless streams of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn child to pay for my sins? No, the Lord has told us what is good. What He requires of us is this, to do what is just, to show constant love, and to live in humble fellowship with our God. And then lastly, God's Word translation says, verse 8, this way, You mortals, the Lord has told you what is good. This is what the Lord requires from you, to do what is right. To love mercy and to live humbly with your God. The prophet references that the Lord has already told them this in Deuteronomy 10 verse 12. And now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in His way, all His ways and to love Him. And to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. To keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes which I command thee this day for thy good. I, I, am, I, am, I continue to be, and I think in some ways continue to be more and more troubled with some of the basics that we seem to not be getting down. I'm not talking about the, the, the guests and the, the new converts. I'm talking about those of us that have been in this and, 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 and walking in this. Those of us that acknowledged uh, we have callings on our lives. And those of us that have already responded to those callings. I, I shared it as a part of the last minister's training session a couple of weeks ago. Brother Gonzalez made a statement years ago, and you've heard it referenced, I've referenced it many times, but he said, God is waiting for your character to catch up to your gifting. I've heard a similar statement, I just heard someone make it yesterday, it goes something like this, don't write a check, don't let your gifting write a check that your character can't cash. So what? here's what the Lord requires of you. Notice He didn't say, here's what the Lord re- recommends from you. I'm here to tell you that I think there's too many of us that are treating the Word of God as recommendations rather than requirements. We pick and choose from the buffet of the Word of God what we want to apply. He didn't say, here's what the Lord recommends. Went to the clinic last night and 
and and and they wrap my leg in a bra- in a in a ace bandage and then put this big old brace on me and and I'm like this is ridiculous. I don't know what this is doing. So as soon as I got home the brace came off. I left the bandage on until I got to the orthopedic today and if you're judging me for that when I went to walk out of the office I said do I need this bandage back on no should I wear the brace no the bottom line is I treated what was told me last night as a recommendation I'm here to tell you the Lord requires things of us he expects things of us. Here is what the Lord requires of you. I find it kind of encouraging that He breaks it down into basically into three basic things. Not some extensive long list to keep track. He said, here's what I'm asking of you. Here's what I am expecting of you. I want you to, I want you to Do justly, do right, do what's right. Love mercy, walk humbly. Do what is right. Don't, 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 don't be thinking about whether or not you're going to do what is right. Do what is right. If I, if I, I needed a ball. I wasn't planning on this. But if I had a, if I had a ball to throw right now, and if I was going to throw that ball to Julian... And I threw it over here in the aisle. Eh, you know, my bad. I, I think too many of us think that we're quarterbacks in football. And when we miss our target, eh, it's just an incomplete pass. You're not going to make every pass. But I, I'm sorry to tell you, the Word of God says, to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's not just a oops, my bad. It is sin. In fact, I think in the purest definition of sin, it's not sinners out there that are the ones sinning the most. Because the word sin means to miss the mark. They're not trying to hit a mark out there. You and I are the ones trying to hit a mark. Say, so, Brother Wright, we're going to fail. Yeah, you, we can't be perfect. No, we can't. And that's why if it wasn't for the grace and the mercy of God, we'd have no hope. Thank God for His grace and mercy. But again, that's not an excuse to just do whatever I want to do. What, what, what do you want from me, Lord? Thousands of animals and, and all of this great sacrifice. Listen, listen to what the Lord says to, to, to Saul through Samuel. Chapter 15, 1 Samuel 15, you read earlier in this chapter, this is the chapter where Samuel, or excuse me, Saul was instructed to go kill the Amalekites, and the instructions were kill everything. Everything. Samuel comes to Saul after this and and he says to Saul, Saul, what is, what is that bleeding of the sheep I hear in the background? What's that noise I hear? And Saul says, oh, well, well, that's, that's, that's the sheep. We, we spared the sheep for sacrifice. And what, what about the king? Well, you know. And, and Samuel says, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying 
the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken that in the fat of ram. Saul, you're saying that you decided to spare all of these animals so that you could sacrifice. Why Why waste these animals when you can sacrifice? And God is more interested in your obedience than He is your great sacrifice. Listen to this. I'm going to read it from the Living Bible here in a second. It makes it a little bit plainer. But Verse 23, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, He hath also rejected thee from being king. Living Bible, Samuel replied, Has the Lord as much pleasure in your burnt offerings and sacrifices as in your obedience? Obedience is far better than sacrifice. He is much more interested in your listening to Him than in your offering the fat of rams to Him. For rebellion is as bad as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. And now because you have rejected the word of Jehovah, He has rejected you from being king. Message Bible says it this way. Then Samuel said, Do you think God wants, do you think all God wants are sacrifices, empty rituals for show? He wants you to listen to him. Plain listening is the thing, not staging a lavish religious production. (laughs) All he's looking for, Saul is simply to listen to Him. He's not interested in all of your lavish productions, your lavish religious activities. Not doing what God tells you is far worse than fooling around in the occult. That make it plain enough? We sit here tonight, I'd be shocked if anybody in this place would consider dabbling in the occult. No way. That's terrible. I would never do that. And yet, the way the Message Bible says it, that fooling around, or that not doing what God tells you is far worse than fooling around in the occult. Getting self-important around God is far worse than making deals with your dead ancestors. Because you said no to God's command, He says no to your kingship. My wife, I don't even remember how we got on it, but my, we weren't talking about this message, but, but she, 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 was, she said something to me today, and it, it fits very well. I, 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 I've said it. Others have said it. I, I've watched, I've told my own sons this for, for years in both of their lives. I've watched them do things in church services that I never did until I was a, in my adult years. I've watched, I've watched other young people in this church, you do things, and, and I mean that in a very positive context, just to be clear, I've watched you do things that it wasn't until I was in my, my, somewhere in my 20s that I was comfortable doing. I watch some of you in a, in, a, in a service, whether it's during worship or during an altar call, I watch you, God moves on you, and I've seen some of you walk all the way across the sanctuary to get to somebody and pray for them and minister to them. I didn't do that when I was in my teens and early 20s. 
And, and in a lot of ways, it seems like when I look at the younger generation, even those of you into your 20s, it, it, it feels to me like God has advanced you more than, that, or that you're, 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 you're ahead of the pace more than I was and my generation was. But the point that she made today, and it resonates with this message tonight, that your, your advanced giftings do not justify undeveloped character. I'm thankful for young people getting prayed through it. And I went to community college. We didn't, there wasn't no campus ministry back then. And my personality, my nature, I was I pretty much... A little bit differently at community college because I had a couple of peers that went there. A couple of friends that were there at the same time, Brother Ben Kimbrell being one of them. But when I got to Maryland, I got there just in time for classes. And when the last class of the day was done, I was in my car heading home. I watch the stuff that's done nowadays. I watch the effort that's given. It is absolutely awesome. It's been amazing to watch what God has done on, on our college campuses. We've got, we've got people, key people now, people that were reached and won through our campus ministries. That There's people other places in the district that our campus ministry won. It's an amazing thing to see. But some powerful CMI doesn't justify fornication. Just because God's using you to reach people on the college campus doesn't justify texting inappropriate pictures to the opposite sex. Watching movies you got no business watching. Listening to music you got no business listening to. Disrespecting and disobeying your parents. God's looking for your simple obedience. God's looking for you to, okay, God, what is it you what is it you're requiring of me? He says he's 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 not requiring as 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 Micah said is is Lord, are you looking for are you looking for me to uh, to to uh, come with burnt offerings with calves of a year old? Or are, are you looking for thousands of rams with ten thousands of rivers of oil? What, are you looking for me to sacrifice my firstborn? And the Lord says, uh, here's what I'm requiring of you. I just want you to act right. I just want you to do what's right. I want you to love mercy. And I want you to walk humbly before me. Here's the sacrifice God's looking for. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. God's not interested in the sacrifice of your time and your talents and your money and your resources. The first and foremost sacrifice God is looking for is for you to put yourself on the altar and present yourself as a living sacrifice. Holy, notice please, H-O-L-Y. 
I got it mixed up for a number of years when I would quote that verse and I had it in my head that it was W-H-O-L-L-Y. That He was looking for all of you, but it's not that. Is He looking for all of you? Yes, but there's a difference between giving yourself holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, and giving yourself H-O-L-Y, separated, set apart. Oh, uh, I, I know, I, 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 you know, for years and years, I, man, I, 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 I wasn't here, I didn't preach Sunday, and I hate to tell you this, because I, I, I usually keep the cat in the bag, because apparently some people do actually have preacher religion around here, and so I usually don't tell, but it just so happens to work, I won't be preaching here this Sunday, I'm going back to, to Goshen on Joyce Lane, not Goshen in Egypt, jo- Goshen on Joyce Lane, and the church I preached at a couple of months ago invited me this week as a part of their anniversary celebration, and then I got to go Sunday evening for a district uh, church that's celebrating uh, some things for their church. And so I, I didn't preach live. Here I am tonight, and I, you know I'd love for you to leave tonight. Well, I'm, man, we miss Pastor, and wasn't that just such a sweet, lovely lesson he taught us tonight? He is just such a great guy. I, I, I'm still, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm doing my best to follow God, teach, preach, but that, I'm still human. I'm still flesh. I still, I like people to like me. I'm just going to tell you, I'm, 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 I'm so d- deeply disturbed by the stuff we are, we are tolerating in our own lives. I'm not even talking about in others. Let me tell you something. Your spirituality is not intended to be the covering to your carnality. Well, you know, if I'll say the right things to the right people, they'll think I'm... So you got stuff that you're allowing in your life. Because isn't it amazing? And what, what's really amazing to me about Saul is the justification that he used sounds like a really great justification. I mean, you, you definitely would have been, you know, if Saul would have responded to Samuel, said, you know, I, th- those are some really good sheep. I just thought, man, I, why kill them? I'd, I'd like to have them. That, that wasn't it. It was, it was a spiritual, righteous reason. Your righteous excuses don't justify your disobedience to God's instructions. We're in a world that tolerates it, not, not just the world anymore. I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm, I'm becoming more and more deeply disturbed by the stuff that's creeping into the apostolic church. And the stuff that more and more, well, you know, you, you, can, you can gossip and you can backbite. You can criticize people. Anybody ever read what I believe it's in Proverbs? It says about... We we want to talk about abomination having to do with homosexuality and abomination having to do with a woman wearing men's apparel. But let me tell you something. God said a tongue that sows discord is an abomination. When you sit around and criticize and gossip about brothers and sisters in the church, you are committing an abomination. Preach, 
holy, acceptable, which is your reasonable... God, how can you expect so much of us? Look at the way the world is living. I mean, come on, God. Paul says it's reasonable. Jesus, you don't owe me anything, but I sure do owe you everything. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And as you've been around long enough, you know I love these verses in the Message Bible. Here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. And, and, and listen, to this. don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down, its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I've never really read these verses before in the Passion Translation, but I did that today. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God to be His sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and uh, and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and and satisfying and perfect in His eyes. You know what? You know what part of a purpose of a media detox is everything that I take into my ears and my eyes is affecting what I think it affects how I think and 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 while I may still know what is right and true when I've got all that stuff swirling around I think listening I think following hearing and responding and being sensitive to the voice of God is like the old radio dials Nowadays, all you got to do is you turn the dial, it's got the numbers, you can go straight to 91.9 or straight to 95.1 or straight to 107.3. And you're there. Some of you don't know anything about this. But for years, it was this little red line. And there was a plastic screen with numbers on it. And you would have to turn the dial. And you'd have, to, you'd have to hone it in. Because what happens sometimes is as you're getting to the station you want, you're, you're not tuned in enough. You're still getting voices from another station. And you've got to work to, you know what, you know what, that's the point of a, to me, of a detox is. I'm trying to tune, there's, a, there's all kinds of voices 
There's all kinds of voices in my, in my head. There's all kinds of voices in the world. But I want to tune into that voice. Not tune into the voice that's telling me what I want to hear. Not tune into the voice that's affirming my wishes and my desires. But I want to tune into that voice that is the voice of truth. That is the unchanging voice. It's not the voice that compromises based on what's popular in our world right now. Or what's popular in Christianity right now. I want to hear that voice that never changes. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around. Do you know, somebody needs to hear me right now, that when, when, the, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, first of all, when they came out of Egypt, the Bible describes them as a mixed multitude. But there also, can I, I don't remember the exact details of the story offhand, forgive me, but there was a time in which that, that, that judgment came to them in the wilderness. And, and the Bible says that, that those that were, were, were judged, those that, that experienced the punishment, were those that were on the perimeter of Israel. And I remind you that, that Israel symbolically was, was a congregation. So there were people that were a part of the congregation or the church. They were a part of the church of Israel. But they were living on the perimeter. And when judgment came, they were judged. Can I, can I challenge some of you here tonight that, that just because somebody's a part of the congregation doesn't mean they've sold themselves out. And, and, and you might want to be careful that you're not hanging out on the fringes of this. I understand the more towards the middle you get, the more radical people are, and the more crazy they think, and the more restrictive. And but but I, I, that's also the safest place to be. I don't want your burnt offerings and your sacrifices. I, I I don't want you deciding on your own, Saul, to save all of those animals because you're going. That's not. I just want obedience. I just want obedience. That's all I want, Saul. I just want obedience. I I, I, I want to go there or not. Yeah, I'll go there. And, And do me a favor. If the shoe doesn't fit, don't force your foot in it. Be all miserable and get mad at me. If the shoe doesn't fit and a bunch of you, it won't fit. And to be very honest with you, I probably shouldn't say this either, but some of them, some of those that the shoe would probably fit the most on aren't even here tonight. But I'm, I'm getting more and more troubled by people in the ministerial training class that can't even practice basic faithfulness. I'm like... You, you, you're in a ministerial training class. That, that's supposed to be after you've gotten some consistency and some fundamental. That's when you've gotten some basics down. You, you, you're worried about a, a bachelor's. You ain't even got your diploma from high school yet. I've, I've watched. I forget. I think it was... I think it may have been the CMI call on Friday. I was privileged to get to, or was it Thursday? Sorry, I got to do a Zoom call with School of Tyrannus. 
I've watched for years now. Even before I was really in a role of leading, I've observed and I've watched for I've watched probably going back to the mid to late nineties at least. I've watched where where those that God that God has elevated throughout throughout all of Antioch. I've had the privilege with a bunch of them to watch the behind the scenes and the faithfulness in the little things and the faithfulness in all things. And I've watched as God has elevated them, and then I've also watched the, those that weren't as faithful in the small things but somehow still got the promotion, how they ended up shipwrecked because character hadn't caught up to gifting. The bottom line is it feels like more and more in Christianity in general, and I say that very broadly, that we're become more and more acceptable of ministers and ministry that has poor character. Here's what the Lord requires of you. Proverbs 21 and 3 says this, To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. You may be the best deacon at Antioch Central, but are you doing the simple things the Lord requires of you? You may be an awesome Sunday school teacher. You may be a great member of the youth team or young adult or whatever else, but, but are, you, are you just doing what's right? Are you just living out in every aspect, every area of your life, what the Lord requires of you? He says, I, I want you to walk humbly. That word walk means, it means to go, to walk. It means to come, to depart, to proceed, to move, to go away. It means to die. It means to live. And, 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 and this is the one I really want you to notice. It means your manner of life. And it's interesting because the, the Hebrew word there for walk is similar to the word Paul says in 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity. In essence, that word conversation there, we think of conversation as talking. But in the King James, that's not really what that word is referring to. That word conversation means walk or manner of life, behavior, conduct. So, so, so the scripture says in Micah that we are to walk humbly. We are to, we are to conduct ourselves. Our manner of life is to be done humbly. Our, our, our manner of life, our behavior, our conduct. Here's what the Lord requires. Walk humbly. Walk Notice he didn't say run. Notice he didn't say fly. Isaiah says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Notice, notice it goes from running or flying to walking. Because the last thing there, that's the thing that ultimately you need to do. You're not going to be flying every day. And I, 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 I've, I've said it recently, and I find myself, man, this, 
this, this, this roller coaster of faith and confidence and what God's doing, what God's going to do. And then I find myself down in the valley. And, and once again, thankfully, in the last several days, reading through Psalms still. <laughs> One moment, David is ready to take on the world. And the next moment, God, where are you? How, how have you forsaken me? You're not going to be flying all the time. They got to the disciple, Peter, James, and John. They get to the mount with Jesus and Elijah and Moses show up. And what do they say? Let's build some place to stay here. And we want to stay on the mountaintop. We enjoy the mountaintop. That's where we want to live. And he said, no, we're, we're, just, we're, we're just visiting I don't remember the specifics of it, but a couple of years ago I used this for a message. But it, 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 is, a, it is a several month process. The planning and the, the gathering of materials and then the actual climbing part of it. It is a several month process to climb Mount Everest. And the average amount of time you spend on the peak of Mount Everest is somewhere around 45 minutes or less. You've ever heard or read any of the stories of those that have climbed Everest? Some of them have climbed it, gotten to the top, and it was such a such the weather and the timing was such that they got there. Maybe they got a photo, but it's time to head back down. Let me tell you something. You're not going to spend a whole lot of time on the mountaintop. You're going to spend more time climbing and descending than you are living on the mountaintop. But the scripture says if you can, that you can walk and not faint. I can't do it tonight, I know, but in normal circumstances, I am confident that if I had the right shoes on, I could sit and walk this sanctuary literally for hours without stopping. If my knee wasn't bothering me and I tried to sprint around this, this, these chairs full laps, I, 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 I don't, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't even know if I could do a full lap right now with full sprint. Since I got the procedure on my elbow weeks ago, my, my physical exertion has been very minimal. I realize my elbow has nothing to do with my feet, but <laughs> I don't like to jog. I like to play something. That's the way I like. I hate you people that love to run. That's not fair. I just love to run. I hate running. Put me on a basketball court, a softball field, a racquetball court, a pickleball court. I'll run. I'll run. But I, I, I might be able to full speed get around here to lap, but I, I, I know. And most of you, even some of you that, that, that are older than me, if you were allowed to just walk at the pace you decided, you could walk for hours. He didn't say, I want you to fly before him. He didn't say, I want you to run. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk. I just want you to walk humbly before me. I'm not mistaken, there were two, there's only two people that got taken off of this earth without dying. Elijah was one. The other one was Enoch. 
We don't know any miracles he performed. He didn't spend the night in the lion's den. He didn't kill any giants. He didn't build any arks. Enoch did one simple thing for 365 years. Isn't it interesting? For 365 years, 365 days in a year, for 365 years, Enoch simply walked with God and God took him. He had this testimony. He pleased God by simply walking humbly before the Lord. The word humbly means to be humble, to be modest, to be lowly, to show humility. So I, I know this is that I'm doing these not in the order they're in the scripture, but three things. I want you to I want you to walk humbly. I want you to love mercy. Already touched on the, the, the justly part. I'm not interested in all your great sacrifices. I'm, I'm not interested in thousands of offerings of animals. I just, want you to, I just want you to obey me. And I want you to love mercy. Here's the amazing thing. This is the thing I, I guess I haven't put it in quite these terms, but I've been challenged with lately by in, even in just my own personal life is we all love mercy in the context of receiving His mercy. But I don't think the context here of loving mercy is about loving the mercy God gives you. I think more so the context here of loving mercy is about loving giving others. Jesus said it in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Ephesians 4.32 Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Colossians 3 and 12 says it this way, Put on, therefore, put on, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy. I'm going to skip ahead real quick. In, in Scripture, the bowels are used in Scripture to denote the most tender affection. So, so put on, the, put on a, a, a deep passion and, and, and feelings of mercy and kindness and humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing who? I got a question. Who is Paul referencing as the one another when he's talking here? Talking about brothers and sisters. He's not talking about here forbearing one another, forbearing the sinner. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against you, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which you also are called in one body. And be ye thankful. The Amplified says it this way, Clothe yourselves, therefore, as God's own chosen ones, His own picked representatives who are purified and holy and well-beloved by God Himself by putting on behavior marked by tender-hearted pity and mercy and 
kind feeling, a lowly opinion of yourselves, gentle ways, and patience which is tireless and long-suffering and has the power to endure whatever comes with good temper. Be gentle and forbearing with one another. And if one has a difference, a grievance, or complaint against another, readily pardoning each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so must you also forgive. And above all these, put on love and enfold yourselves with the bond of perfectness, which bond, which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. And let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule. Act as, as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds, that peaceful state to which is, which, which as members of Christ's one body, you were all also called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. The King James says, let the peace of God rule. That, that, that word rule there in, in, in the Greek is, a sex, is, is essentially an umpire. Think of baseball, that runner gets to first base, you got that umpire. Safe, out. He is, he's ruling, he's making a decision. And Paul says the thing that needs to be ruling and making the decisions in your life is the peace of God. The Passion Translation says it this way, You are always and dearly loved by God, so robe yourself with virtues of God. Since you have been divinely chosen to be holy, be merciful as you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness toward all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Wow, wow, wow. Can you imagine what would happen in the church if we would become unoffendable in our patience with others? Gossip about the weaknesses of those in the family of faith. Tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith. Forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of maturity. And if you haven't done it in a while, I I encourage you, go reread 1 Corinthians 13. First, right? Not second. 1 Corinthians is the love chapter. I know it's 13. Is it first? Thank you. Leaving me hanging out there. I really would encourage you not to just go read it in the King James. Go, go read it in another translation. Read it in, in, in language that makes it a little more plain for us. Love. Agape love becomes the mark of true maturity. Let your heart be always guided by the peace of the Anointed One who called you to peace as part of His one body and always be... Thankful. Let the peace of God rule. The peace of God rule. Let the peace of God, when, when you got thoughts that are going in your mind, let the peace of God determine, does that thought stay or does that thought go? Is that thought alignment 
in alignment with the principles of the Word of God? Or is that thought contrary? And if it's contrary, then it needs to be taken captive to the obedience of Christ. The peace. The peace of God. Let, let it be the let it act as umpire continually. Peace. Peace of God. Act justly. Walk humbly. Love mercy. Love. Love mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Put on bowels of mercy. John 8, I used these verses a couple of Sunday mornings ago, but John 8, 4, they bring the woman to Jesus caught in adultery. Moses in the law commanded us that such as should such should be stoned, but what what say you? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continuing, when excuse me, when they continued asking him. He lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. I've, I've used it many times, just used it in the minister's training class a couple weeks ago, but the Bible talks about the four kinds of ground. There's the wayside, there's... there's Rocky ground, there's thorny ground, there's good ground. And I, I really believe that, first and foremost, that that is a parable to you and I as believers. The condition of our hearts. I've heard it used most of my life, the condition of sinners. And it has to do with when you're out there sowing the seed of the gospel, there's, there's, there's only one ground that's good ground. Again, forgive me for those of you that were there two weeks ago, but, but the, the issue with those types of ground was not whether or not the, the ground was fertile. It, it wasn't a criticism of the soil. It wasn't that the soil was, was, didn't have the proper nutrients. It was things that were in the ground. And those things, in, in all three condition, all three negative conditions, they're issues that can be dealt with. The Scripture says that we're to break up the fallow ground, the hardened ground of our hearts. The, 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 I may have the order wrong, but, but the, the, uh, the thorny ground, that, that's the cares of this life. That's the, that's, the, that's, the things of, that's the pleasures of life. That's our priority. And the seed gets planted and starts to grow. Something begins to happen in our life, but we let stuff in life take over. You can, you can weed gardens. And in fact, you don't ever stop weeding gardens or flower beds because the day you stop, it's done. It's over with. It's going to take over. And the, 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 the rocky ground is those are, those are, that's bitterness and unforgiveness and offenses that we let accumulate. And so in the Northeast, anybody, if we got any, I know we got a few folks from the Northeast. Sister Sank is one. I don't, she's not here tonight. But anybody ever 
gone up in the northeast. Go up in the, get up into the northeast and you can drive by fields where fields, huge fields are surrounded by these stone walls. Beautiful stone walls. They didn't go down to the, they didn't go down to Homestead Garden with a dump truck and buy rocks because we want to build a fence. Those rocks were in those fields. And rather than looking at rocky fields and saying, oh well, we can't do anything here, somebody decided to repurpose the rocks. But you know what? I got to thinking just within the last day or two about this story in in a similar context. What would happen if the rocks that we have, that we're ready to throw at people that are caught in adultery? What about rather than holding our rocks to stone them if we decided to put our rocks together to build a wall to protect them. One of those things that 1 Corinthians 13 says is that love covers. Love doesn't expose, love covers. It doesn't cover in the sense of trying to just hide wrong so you can get elected to an office. It's covering in the sense of grace and mercy. It's it's covering in the sense of giving somebody the opportunity and God the opportunity to deal with something. Let me tell you something. When God deals with something, especially in a context of judgment, when God deals with it in a public way, mark it down. Mark it down. He has been dealing in private for a significant period of time. God's first resort is not public rebuke. If God has to resort to public rebuke, it's because He's been trying to deal with you in private and you haven't been responding. And so finally, as a last-ditch effort, He may reveal your stuff publicly, but that's not, his, that's not His first choice. Love covers. Love gives time and space. They, they, they stood there, if you read on, makes it very clear. says it very plainly. <laughs> they started leaving. From the eldest to the youngest. It didn't just say they started leaving. The scripture was specific enough to tell us. They started leaving. They started dropping their rocks from the eldest to the youngest. I think it's significant because the older you get and the longer you live with yourself. Anybody ever get tired of living with yourself? I don't get tired of living with my wife. I love living with her, but sometimes I get tired of living with me. The only one I can't live separate from is the one I get tired of living with sometimes. You kidding me? We're going through this again? Struggling with this again? I I, I got... um, I was supposed to, uh, originally, my wife was supposed to be going to Florida, and then just, I, I, I couldn't have chained her down, put her in a straitjacket, and gotten her out of here to go with me. 
Um, there wasn't no way that, that she was risking Elizabeth ending up in the hospital having a baby and her not being here. And the only reason I risked it because I felt peace. <laughs> So we had changed, we originally were going to fly back Monday and then we changed it to Sunday night when there was still a slight chance. So I got to the airport Sunday evening. My flight was supposed to leave at 6. I got dropped off at 4 o'clock, which was more, which was earlier than really needed, but it was a ways to the airport and I didn't want to be an inconvenience. They dropped me off. I walk in and I had gotten a text in the car ride, but I was talking to Brother Wells' sons in the car and and uh, I, I didn't look at it. I walked in the airport and looked at it. Your flight has been delayed two hours. Oh. Lovely. So and I'm sitting there, and it's about 6.30 or so on a Sunday evening. And my phone rings, and I look down, and it's Brother Shelton. He knows where I usually am on a Sunday evening. <laughs> and... When you get a call from Brother Shelton, it's kind of like getting a call from God because he, he's a lot like Bishop. He's hard to get a hold of. I, I answered the phone, and as soon as I answered, he was, then he was like, oh, wait a minute. I forgot. You're an hour ahead of me, and you're, aren't you at church? I'm like, no, I'm sitting in an airport. And uh, so we spent a little while just shooting the breeze about stuff, family, my family, his family, and I said, well, since I got you, (laughs) I've been been struggling for months now with with this, 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 God, do I really know your voice, and can I hear you as well as I need to hear you, and I... Especially when I hear all these other, you know, God spoke to me. Anybody ever feel that way? You ever feel like everybody, God spoke to me, told me to do this. God spoke to me. And I'm like. <laughs> What's up with that, God? You have a open lines of communication with them. I can't get you to say anything to me. And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm 51 years old. I've been, I've been senior pastor for 18 years, co-pastor seven years on top of that, involved in ministry in some kind of role since 1991. And are you kidding me? 51 years old and I'm still? God, I'm tired of being stuck with me. <laughs> See, the older you get, The more, isn't it amazing? You, you, God is God can do anything, right? God, God could have designed us that we did not get frail the older we get. I forget how or what he said, but Nathaniel came walking in yesterday. To, my wife's over on the couch still trying to get over COVID, battling a headache, and I'm sitting in the chair with my leg all propped up as the day went on. It got worse. And he's like, dear God, I got a bunch of old people in this house. <laughs> he didn't say it that way, but that's really what we heard. So <laughs> my decrepit parents. <laughs> I think God could have designed it so that our strength and stamina remain. He could have. But he designed it that the older we get, the more frail we get. And I think it was absolutely intentional 
so that the closer we get to the finish line in each of our lives, the more we face the reality, I need you. I can't do this by myself and... And, and I ha- I'm not outgrowing the need for your mercy, and I'm not outgrowing the need for your grace. And so finally, one by one, from the eldest all the way, the Scripture says, to the youngest. I just kind of see those younger folks standing there ignoring their sins. He that is without sin. Uh, I'm, of course, the other part of that is, in our younger years, we're also more afraid of people finding out our failures and mistakes because what's that? Forbearing who? One another. I think Nathaniel touched on it Sunday night, but what did Jesus say? By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. And I'm sorry, but I think most of the time, subconsciously, the way we think of that is they're going to know we're His disciples by the way we love the world. That's not what He said. The world is going to know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. I know I'm kind of, some ways, I guess, over all over the map a little bit here tonight because on one hand, I'm challenging us as individuals. We need to act right. We need to live right. We need to do right. When it comes to you, when it comes to me and my walk with God, that's absolutely the case. But when it comes to how I treat you and hopefully how you treat me, I need to love mercy. I need to love showing mercy. Justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly before. This is what is required of you. This isn't what's recommended. This isn't what's just suggested. This is what the Lord requires. Of you. Walk humbly. Let your manner of life be in a humble way. Be an example to the believer in your conversation, in your manner of life. I, I, it, it's, not, it's not acceptable to God for us to have multiple personalities. I got my at-home personality, the way I act with them when, when I'm with my family. Then I got my, my friends' personality. Then I got my brothers and sisters at church' personality. And then I got at the, my brothers and sisters at church, I also got that personality I have with the people I'm a little closer to. I got my work personality. I I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your entire being, your eating, sleeping, walking around, going to work life, present it as a living sacrifice. Don't, don't come bringing all your, your, your offerings of sacrifice and justifying your disobedience.
Don't try to impress God with your thousands of animals that you're slaying and then you go. Don't don't impress God by all the students you get to come to campus ministry, but then you go sit and gossip about brothers and sisters from the church. Fill, Fill in the blanks. Love, mercy, walk humbly. Father, I I pray that you would help us tonight. Lord, in a world of so many (laughs) options on the buffet of Christianity to choose from, there's so many options to hear and read things we want to hear that just tell us what we want to hear, make us feel good, make us feel better. Lord, I trust and pray that you would help us tonight, that there would be a hunger and desire in our hearts, that we're, we're not just looking for what the convenient, appealing way is. But God, we want to walk in the way of what you have required of us. Lord, your word says that freely we have received so freely we should give. Lord, one of the things all of us have received so freely and continue to receive so freely is mercy. Your mercy to us. Lord, there's not a day that goes by in my life that I would make it without your mercy. There's not a day that goes by that if it wasn't for your mercy, it would, it wouldn't, I wouldn't have any hope. Lord, I pray that you would help me not to be so freely receiving of mercy, but then stingy and greedy when it comes to giving mercy. Help me to love mercy. Help me to walk humbly before you. Help me, God, not to to get caught up in offerings and sacrifices, but God, simply to pursue obedience. Childlike, simple obedience, God. Lord, the blessings that come from that are immeasurable, innumerable. And yet our flesh fights it, resists it. Our flesh fights for its own way. Our our flesh fights with trying to bargain and compromise between our carnal man and our spiritual man. But God... Help us by your grace to present ourselves a living sacrifice. A separated, set-apart sacrifice. It's reasonable, Lord. It's reasonable. We make ourselves available to you tonight. We present ourselves once again to you tonight, God. Let, Let peace be the umpire that rules and reigns in our hearts, rules and reigns in our minds, that what thoughts are acceptable to stay and what thoughts must go, that that your peace is what rules and reigns. Not our selfish feelings or desires, not our human emotions, God, but your peace. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.
Thank you for being here this evening. Look forward to seeing you throughout the weekend in Jesus' name.